strictly by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ that we have been drawn into this moment. Lord, a time that's been set aside, a place, Lord, that, if, that has been dedicated unto you, Father. But Lord, more than a building tonight, Lord, we want to dedicate our hearts, Lord, once again. Lord, refresh us, Lord Jesus. Send the, the season of refreshment, Lord. We know that we're here and we ask, Lord, that you'd send the rain. Lord, I pray that you'd wash us and make us white as snow, Father. I pray tonight that there would come just such a, a liberty, Lord, in this place, Father, that, that you would be high and lifted up, Father. And Lord, may that be the only thing that would be, Lord, accredited to this evening, Lord, that, that you were lifted up, that your name was praised, Lord, not to men, not to, not to other things of this life, but to, to praise the name of the mighty one. Lord, and we just invite you knowing that you're here, but we invite you to come and take the pages of the Bible just now and begin to open up the word to us, Lord. Make it real, make it fresh, make it, Lord, make it new to us, Lord. Many of us sitting here, veterans, Lord, know these, know this message in and out, know the scriptures in and out, but Lord, there's something about coming to the well, Lord Jesus, and drinking one more time, oh God. Lord, I pray that you would just send a, a spirit of refreshing through this place, Lord, that you would anoint your people, Lord, like never before, to receive the word of the hour, Lord Jesus, a word that you have dedicated for the moment of life. I pray, God, that you would just come amongst us and heal the sick, come amongst us and, and draw prodigals back in. I pray that you'd come amongst us, Lord, and get us in rapture and condition, Lord. We dedicate our lives to you. We dedicate this service unto you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray these things. Amen and amen. amen. 
If you have your Bibles this evening, we'd like to look over in the book of Acts, chapter 3, verse 19, and then also down to Revelations, chapter 3, and verse 14. I'd like to greet each and every one of you in the name of the Lord. So God richly bless you. It's an honor to have our Lord Jesus Christ in the house of the Lord. Amen. 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 Isn't he wonderful to us? He brought us through another week and set our feet upon a rock to stay. Amen. <clears throat> Acts chapter 3 and verse 19. Repent ye therefore... And be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus, which before was preached unto you, whom till the times of restitution of all things which God hath spoken by the mouth of all of his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me. Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. Revelations chapter 3 and verse 14. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write these things, saith the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I love what Brother Branham said in the church age book. He said before he dives into it, he gives us one last look of himself right here. He is the amen. He is faithful. He is the true witness and the beginning of the creation of God. Notice the message. He said, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou work cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich. Notice who is saying this. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich and white raiment, and that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eyesaph, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him, and he with me. May God bless his word. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I'd like to speak to you this evening on the zeal of the hour. The zeal of the hour and the grounds for receiving. And as we just dive into these, these texts, we realize that that is, that is the, the message of the day. It is the zeal of the hour is, is to repent. We realize that love is the most powerful force that there is upon the face of the earth. It's amazing how that human love and how that human love makes a man or makes human beings act. And then also we realize that there's a godly love, there's a filial love, and then there's an agape love. And we realize 
that there is such power in love. And we realize that Brother Branham would tell us that love is one of the most powerful forces that there is upon the earth. And he said only, only power lays in love. And it's amazing. It's amazing what we do as human beings, what love will make us do. It will, love will make us drive across a nation just to find a lover. Love will, will make us stand up and stand for our children. And it will make us stand up in the midst of fear. And it's amazing what love does. Love casts out all fear. Love will make you stand up. Maybe, maybe you might be a little bit weaker than somebody else, but love will make you stand up for your wife. It, it, love will do things that, that maybe you wouldn't necessarily do. Is that right? That's what love will do. And real, real human love, it, it will go beyond what you can even imagine what love will do. Love will make a human being run through a burning building just to save their child. Love will make, will make you go towards somebody. It'll draw you to somebody. There's a major difference between love and hatred. And if somebody hates you, they're not going to draw you, they're not going to draw you to themselves. But if somebody loves you, there's an atmosphere that is around love that love will invite you in. Love will invite you in and make you make you a part of its home, make you a part of its life. Love lets you know that you're welcome. And if we can express that in human love, how much more with a godly love, with a, a love that is from above, how much more is his love running after us and is chasing after us and making sure that we don't get in no trouble that we can't get out of. He, he loves us so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him would not perish but have everlasting life. But yet love is corrective. Love will not allow your child to sit out in the street and you just sit back there and say, well, oh, little Johnny, we understand little Johnny, he's okay, he's got a mind, but yet you'll run out there. Real love will make you run out there. Brother Branham said love, he said love, he said, he said if your wife, he said if you really love your wife and your wife comes in and says, honey, I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna run around on another man, I'm gonna run around with another man, I'm gonna run around with, I'm gonna run around with this guy and, and, and you know, as a husband, he said, you wouldn't sit there and say, well, honey, I hope you have a good time. But love will stand there and say, hold up, that's, that's, that's not going to happen here. You see, love is corrective. Love will not stand for things that stand up in the way of what really true love is. And God is love. The only reason that we can understand love is because God is love. And so we realize that the correction of God is the love of God. And if we can understand or if we can receive, if we can receive chastisement, it shows that we are sons and we're not bastards, but it shows shows us who we are and if we can understand or receive the very things of God that he causes us to go into. But love will allow us to fall deeper in love with him. I'm so glad that he saved me, that he loved me so much that even when I was in the midst of my crisis or in the midst of my chaos, and even though I may have been having a good time because sin is pleasurable for a season, I'm so glad that his love outstretched my grace or my thoughts. I'm so glad that his love was a chastisement love that would stop me in my tracks and keep me from scars and keep me from troubles and keep me from heartaches. His love is powerful this evening. And if you can recognize, it'll make you, if you can recognize the love of God, it'll make you repent of all your sins. It'll make you, it'll make you run to him like never before. 
Is that right? You see, but notice what Jesus is speaking here in the, in the message to the church. He's not necessarily speaking to sinners, but he's preaching to, he's preaching to the church that, that she is to be zealous of him and repent of her lukewarm condition. Notice what the message is. is the same exact message that was that, that John the Baptist was out there and he was preaching to the Pharisees, the Sadducees and the heathens, and it was repent. And Brother Branham said there was no other course then and there is no other course now. There was no other way to get back to God then and there's no other way to get back to God now is that is to repent. And it's amazing to think to me that people how that they will stand there with such a hardened heart won't repent of their sins but why would you do that and stay there in a spot and die in a place when all you've got to do is say God I'm sorry but not just words but it comes from the heart. Now notice what Brother Branham said in the Laodicean church age. He said, be zealous and repent. He said, now this false church has a zeal. He said, make no mistake about that. He said, her zeal has literally been that of the Jews. John 2 and 17, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. And remember what Jesus said there when, when he was standing there in the house of God and he walked in there and he flipped over the money changers and the disciples remembered, he rem, they remembered that the scripture said that thy zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. You remember that David would quote that in Psalm 69, but yet here God, Jesus was standing there and he was fulfilling that and preaching the scripture that the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. He said, but this is a wrong zeal. It is a wrong zeal. It is for the house of their own building. It is for their own creeds and dogmas and organization. He said, their own righteousness. They have the put, they have put the word out for their own ideas and they disposed, they disposed the Holy Ghost and made men into leaders. It shows that this church age has removed the Holy Ghost out of his office, out of the church. Notice what they did and they made men under their leaders. He said they have put aside eternal life as a person and make it good works or even church conformity rather than the good works. He said, but God is calling for another zeal. It is a zeal to cry, I am wrong. I'm gonna tell you, if you're ever gonna have a happy marriage in life, you're gonna have to learn those words, I am sorry, I am wrong. And if you're ever gonna have a great relationship with God, you've got to understand the ability to say and express, I am wrong. God, I am sorry. The reason why David was a man after God's own heart was because he was quick to repent. David was a man that was full of mistakes and full of failures, but David knew how to call on the name of the Lord and repent of his sins. But notice, notice, he said that he's calling for another zeal to say that I am wrong. He said, but now who is going to say that he's wrong? He said, no, he goes on to say, he said, I don't believe that God is calling only the false church to repent in this verse. He is also talking to his elect. He said, they have some repenting to do too. He goes on to say, he said, they need to repent. They must repent. They need to have a change of mind and turn towards the truth. You see, you can change your hair and come around this message and let your hair grow. 
You can change your dress to make yourself look like a part, but that ain't really the part that God's looking for. You can change your makeup and wash it off of your face. You can change your lover and you can change your styles, but the God, the most powerful thing that you can do is have a change of heart. It ain't just about a change in your mind or a change in your self-will, but it's a change on the inside of your heart. I'm gonna preach to you like you never heard this before this evening, but the most powerful thing about you is to have a change of heart. You see, every single one of us are sitting here is rotten scoundrels. We ain't nothing but a bunch of badger skins. We were mean, we were good for nothing. Let me just go over in the scriptures and Paul would say that there would be no idolaters and there would be no fornicators and there would be no whoremongers that would ever make it unto God or never make it into the kingdom of God. But he goes down a little bit further and I find it so amazing that there are people that sit in churches year after year and decades and they, they can't give out the same mercy that they received. But Paul didn't stop there. He said, but such were some of you. I find it so amazing that message people think because they are the last stage people or the final voice or the final age that they can cast a shadow on somebody or, or maybe they can throw over a, a reflection of, well, this one's not good enough. Let me tell you, if we're not good enough to testify of the message of Jesus Christ to a Baptist or a Methodist or a Presbyterian, then this ain't the message. But the message that I live and the message that came by my way was good enough was good enough to go to any Baptist. It's good enough. It's still, this message don't make us no greater than anybody else. If you measure us down and shoot us up or shoot us down, we're still human beings made out of 16 elements. And every single one of us, if it were not for the grace of God, we'd be still sitting out there in that dead cold form of religion. But the message, whoa, what a message. It's not a message of judgment. It's a message of grace that came by our way. Oh, how we ought to be thankful that God cared so much for you and I. The kingdom of God is not meat. The kingdom of God is not materialistic. It's not apparel. But Brother Branham would say in the token in Dallas, Texas in 1964, he said it's God's blood-bound promises that make you and I free. It ain't the way you dress. Yes, I believe you ought to dress holy. I, yes, I believe you, brothers, not a, you're not ought to be wearing skinny jeans and looking like a sissy. I believe you sisters ought to dress like women. But it ain't that that makes you holy. Because you can go down to Walmart, maybe not in Walmart no more, but you can go up to Main Street Exchange and buy yourself a dress but just because you got yourself a dress does not mean that your message but the inside of the inside is what makes the message let me preach to you a moment on this thought right here. It's the blood-bound promises of God that makes you and I free. It ain't our dress. It ain't our shout. It ain't our emotion. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that made every single one of us free. Notice what Jesus, when Jesus begins to sit down and have supper with his friends, 
He sits down at supper in Mark chapter 2. You find that he sits down and he's sitting down there with his disciples and he's sitting down with the publicans and the sinners and he comes there and there the Pharisees and the priests come in and they look on him and they look at the disciples and have a conversation with the disciples and say, why is it that your so-called Messiah isn't sitting down and having dinner with us but he's sitting out there with the, with the publicans, with the common people and sitting out there with sinners. And when Jesus heard about it, the Bible said, when Jesus heard about it, he went to them and he said, them that are whole don't need a physician. But those that are sick need a physician. And he said, I came not to call the righteous. He said, but I came to call sinners under repentance. I'll say this to you. Jesus was not ashamed to go by the woman of the well. Jesus wasn't ashamed to go by, to go by the go by the way of Nicodemus. He wasn't ashamed to go by the lepers and heal him on the Sabbath. He wasn't ashamed to go by a harlot and call her unto himself. He wasn't ashamed to walk down to a harlot and a prodigal and this, that, or the other. He was not ashamed to walk by your way. But he did not leave them where he found them. He came to call the sinners unto repentance. He was not ashamed to stand up for you when nobody else would stand up for you. There might be a spot in your spot in life, in your life, young people, that you're ashamed to call on Jesus. But let me preach to you on this thought. There's going to come a spot in your life when you're going to need this Jesus. There's going to come a time in your life, maybe you're sitting in that spot right now, when you're too cool to call Jesus' name. Or you're too cool to live this message. But there's going to come a time in life, maybe while you're burning in hell, that you wish you would have been cool with the message. All right, let's preach just a little bit tonight. He said, but brothers, in Elijah, the message of Elijah, he said, brother, what we need tonight over the whole nation is an old-fashioned God-sent revival, repentance for every, every church and every individual to come back to God, to the true living God, not to psychology, not to theology of the church, but what we need to do is come back to the true and living God who changes a man's heart, his nature, he changes his makeup, makes him a new creature in Christ Jesus, who kills all the nature of the world and makes a person a new creature he said oh Christian friends he said that's what the world needs tonight he said we don't need a program he said we need the regular program that Christ said at Calvary when he was here on earth he said except a man be born again he will in no wise enter the kingdom of God he said that's what we need tonight well, I'll tell you this, we don't need some, we don't need some, uh, some AA meeting to get our drunks out of the, out of the bottle let me tell you, one time in his presence will set an alcoholic free. I understand the power of addictions. I understand the power of sin and the power of those things. But I'll tell you, one time in his presence will break an addiction. An addiction to porn. An addiction to alcohol. An addiction to cigarettes. An addiction to tobacco. An addiction to the worldly things of this life. One time in his presence will break your cycle over your life. Is that right? 
We don't need we don't need psychology. Psychology won't work. We got too many man-made preachers trying to stand behind the pulpit and preach psychology. Muhammad, if we needed psychology, we'd have stayed with Muhammad, or we'd have could have went back there to Buddha, or went back to Confucius and those men, or could we could have went out there to the religiosity of the world, where they ain't got no power to save nobody, much more than a lifesaver. Men's got power to save somebody that's drowning. The world, church world. Ain't got no power in it. Because they don't like a blood religion. And any religion that don't have the blood of Jesus Christ is a powerless religion. Let me tell you, the only real truth is Jesus Christ. It is the very essence of the message is that he is risen from the dead and you and I are his beneficiaries. Is that right? Well, you see what repentance is. Repentance is a hatred of sin. It's, it's a turning away from sin and a determination in the strength of God to forsake it. But if we're ever living in an hour when men are relying, they're relying on themselves or they're relying on self-confidence that I understand this or I, I can handle this. But our goal is to rely on God. We are strictly relying on the very life of God and we can simply put no confidence in our flesh. You can't put no confidence in your mind because in your mind is where you reason at. But you recognize when Brother Brandon would preach on how can I overcome and he would say that he was crossing over that old doty log out there. He said, I watched it. It was a great, it was a great strong tree. He said, but what made it doty was the life went out of it. And when the life of Jesus Christ goes out on an individual or goes out of a church, you can write Ichabod across that church or Ichabod across that individual. But when the life of Jesus is there, you'll find a strong church or a strong individual. I had a, I had a youth, youth deal years ago, and not here, but it was away, and these, the, these youth were asking, now what, what if we have a problem? Who do we go to, or where do we run to? Do we run to a pastor, or do we, can we call the deacon, or do we, do, we call, do we call an elder in the church? Let me tell you, there's going to come times in your life when you can't get a hold of the pastor, you can't get a hold of the deacons, you can't get a hold of the associates, you're going to have to find yourself on an old altar, maybe out in an old shed somewhere, and find yourself a real experience with God. I believe we've got strong believers here, but there's times when you don't need to call on them, you need to get on your knees for yourself. This ain't, this ain't about being confident in yourself. It's about being confident in the king, the prince of life. And it's constantly staying in life, not a mental understanding. But this repentance is a change of your nature, a change of your desire. The reason why we preach to you the message is because it's the only message that'll get you out of here. I ain't got no confidence I ain't got no confidence in men, but I do have confidence in this message. I ain't got confidence in men's teachings outside of this message, but I do have confidence in the word of God. 
And that's why we stand here and we preach to you. Listen to the message. Play those tapes. When you're not here, feed on the word of God. You see, there's a purpose in feeding on the very word of God. It's to live constantly in an atmosphere where Christ is welcome. You're going to have to have church all by yourself sometimes. Is that right? There's going to be some times when you don't feel like a real Christian. There's going to be some times when you've been run over every which way from the spirit of anxiety, the spirit of fear, and the spirit of Laodicea, and you're going to have to have yourself some church. Has anybody ever had church all by themselves? Ever had to call on God by themselves? Ever been in the valley all by themselves, but God didn't leave you down in the valley? God didn't leave you in church all by yourself. The Bible said that if you begin to praise him, that he will come down. Maybe people say, well, I'm afraid if I get this kind of religion, what it'll make me do, how it'll make me act, or what others think. But let me point you to some scriptures. Let me point you to some ladies and ladies in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that wasn't ashamed, wasn't ashamed to get down. They wasn't ashamed about how Jesus would make them out. They wasn't ashamed how it would make them look in their social standing. That's the biggest problem that we find with teenagers today is they want a social standing amongst the social crowd that don't give a care what you look like in person, only what you care about, what you look about on your Instagram. Well, I'm gonna have a good time. But the woman, when Jesus, when she found Jesus, all in a room, tucked over in a corner all by himself, Tucked over there where nobody else had made him feel welcome. And Simon only brought him there so that he could mock him. Brought him in there. He didn't welcome him with a kiss. He didn't anoint him with oil. He didn't wash his feet. He didn't wash his feet off the dust of the earth. He didn't wash off the cow manure and the horse manure and the donkey manure off of his feet. And he just set him over there in a corner. I'm afraid that's too many people's problem today. They set Jesus in a corner. But there this woman, when she began to see that there was one that she'd heard about sitting in a corner, she wasn't going to stand for that. And I found, Brother Branham said that when she was there at his feet, he said she was bathing his feet with the tears of repentance. With a true heart, with true repentance. Brother Brandon would say in washing his feet, he said she didn't care what anybody else thought about what she looked like. She didn't care what anybody else thought, how that she should not be in there. You know, by the standards, they could have took the law of the day and cast her out of there because she was not invited in there, but she didn't care if the law came in there and kicked her out. But she was going in there to make Jesus feel welcome. He said she was crying. Brother Branham said, he said, she was hysterical the way that she was crying. He said, but the time that I got in this presence, he said, I was hysterical too. He said, she could barely hold herself together. He said, when I got in his presence, he said, I could barely hold myself together. And if you ever get in the presence of Jesus Christ, Brother Branham said, he said, they was gonna excommunicate me from the church. He said, but I didn't care. I was in his presence. 
Let me tell you, the time to worship him is not when you leave the building. It's right now. When you feel the Shekinah come down, it's not a time to wonder, did I miss it? Just jump in. If the healing angel's in the water, brother, step in. She didn't care. She found love. She never found love in those other men's arms. She found forgiveness. She didn't find forgiveness in another man's arms. But what she found in God's wrapped gift was the one that could repent, that she could repent to and wash her sins away. But repentance, repentance is a complete reversal of one's attitudes and values. You see, what you value in life is what you deem important. And what you value right now before repentance will be completely opposite than what you, what you value after your repentance. You see, if you value social life or if you value sustainability amongst humanity, it'll be completely turned around and you'll value spiritual life. You'll value sustainability just like Abraham was sustained. Because repentance turns you away from what you were to what God wants you to be. Repentance is powerful. You remember when Ahab, when Ahab coveted Naboth's vineyard? He got all upset and got pouty about it and he went back to his Jezebel wife back there and got to pouting about it said, Naboth won't sell it to me. He won't bargain with me. He won't barter with me. And Jezebel contrived in herself and conjured up a plan that they put Naboth to death. And we'll get that vineyard for you, Ahab. Don't you worry about this. You better watch if you get yourself a Jezebel wife. She'll get you in trouble. I want this vineyard so bad that I'm willing to kill somebody for it. But notice what the prophet came to him and said the dogs that licked up Naboth's blood will be the dogs that lick up your blood. If you go down there in 1 Kings 21, you'll find that Ahab was in awe and he repented. And God said, I will not visit evil in his day, but I will visit the evil in his son's day. But you flip over one chapter more and you'll find that Ahab, that Ahab rebelled against on God and he tried to disguise himself. And notice when the, when the king, when the, when, the, when the kings came up there and they shot the arrow and they killed Ahab, notice the dogs licked his blood right there in Naboth's vineyard. You see what Ahab was? He was a slave to his own transgressions. It wasn't true repentance. It didn't come from his heart. God may have given him a reprieve in time, but yet God was still, he didn't humble himself. Ahab didn't humble himself and he was a slave to transgressions. And you may come to a spot in your life, 
yourselves and you might humble yourself before God. Or somebody, and somebody might humble themselves before God just for, for, a, for a time, but yet they remain a slave to their transgressions. People may be afraid of damnation, but they're not afraid of sinning. People might be afraid of hell, but they're not afraid to do their iniquities. People might be afraid of being cast into a pit, but they're not afraid of hardening their hearts towards God's commandments. Agrippa, when Paul stood up there and preached to him, Christ crucified, the Bible said that Agrippa said, thou almost persuadest me to be a Christian. But notice his persuasion was not that of repentance. Because the Bible said in 2 Corinthians 7 and 10 that for godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation not to be repented of but the sorrow of the world worketh death repentance got to come from your heart even Judas even Judas the Bible said repented they said well brother Andrew I've repented Judas repented you can find in Matthew 27 that Judas goes when he sees that they're condemning Jesus. I'm trying to find the message just now. But anyways, I'll find it for you and I'll give it to you if you need it. My brother Branham said that Judas, it was in lean not to your own understanding, that Judas was leaning to his own understanding and he thought Jesus could get himself out of this mess. And he sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. And when they seen, when he seen that Jesus wasn't going to get out of this and they were condemning him to the cross, the Bible said that Judas repented of himself and went before the high priest and he cast the money down. And they said, what is that to us? And the Bible said that he repented himself. He repented himself, but notice where this repentance did. It took him to the gallows. It didn't take him to Christ. Hard repentance will lead you to a cross. But just because you corrupted yourself and corrupted the kingdom of God and just because you cry because you did a crime does not mean it's hard repentance. Judas was a castaway and he could not get back to Christ because he truly did not know how to get to Pentecost. Repentance leads the sinner to the Savior. That's what repentance do. Now watch, let me show you what repentance will do in Ezekiel 18 and 30. The Bible said, therefore, I will judge you, O house of Israel, every one according to his ways, saith the Lord. Repent and turn yourselves from all your transgressions so that iniquity shall not be your ruin. Young people, write that scripture down. Cast away from all your transgressions whereby you have transgressed and make you a new heart and a new spirit. For why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of him that dies, saith the Lord God. Wherefore, turn yourselves and live. Do you recognize what repentance does? Repentance turns you from death unto life. That's the power of true repentance. God, I'm sorry. 
God, I didn't mean to do that. God, I made a mistake. There is power in your repentance. Notice where your repentance takes you. If it's a repentance that will lead you right back up to sin, it's not heart repentance. But heart repentance will only lead you back to the word. If there ever was an hour that repentance needed to be preached, it's this hour. It's the zeal of the hour. It's to say, God, I'm sorry. I've often said it. That redemption, that redemption is like a magnet. It's got a positive and it's a negative. I always enjoyed science class, class sticking those, sticking those magnets together. I guess we, I'm the only one here that played with magnets in science class. Maybe y'all were off listening or listening to the teacher and I was over playing in magnets. I always loved, I always enjoyed, I always enjoyed watching those magnets. There's two sides of that magnet. There's a positive side and there's a negative side. And you watch, you push that positive side against a positive side and it'll push away. And you watch that negative, what it do? It'll pull the positive to it. And that's what redemption does. It pushes away the world and pulls Christ to you. That's what Christ does. He magnetizes you to the spirit. And when there are things that are held down, there are things that are held down by cold form of religion. There are things that have been magnetized to the spirit that cannot stay there in some dead, cold, formal, dead idea. They've got to get up and where the spirit's at are moving at. That's what redemption does. It draws you. It draws you unto him. And do you realize that when you repent, Brother Branham says you are back. I got a, that's a direct quote for you, honey. When you repent, you are back. Your sins are forgiven and you're a candidate for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. When you repent, you're back to the kingdom. Oh, I'm looking at some people that made their way back. If a salmon knows how to get back to its birthplace, where ought the sons and daughters of God know how to return to their true birthplace? I say this to you mamas and daddies to encourage you. The Bible said raise up your child in the way that they'll go. And they will not forget it. If they're a son, they know how to make their way back. The prodigal is wakening up into himself. He might be in a hog pen, but he's coming. Hello. Hello. I guess Satan didn't want that. The prodigal is waking up and he's coming to himself. Oh, Satan, you tried to shut me up. The prodigal is waking up to himself. It may be somebody that's over 50 years old, but they still might be a prodigal. There might be a mom or a daddy that's already made it over to glory land, but there's prodigals that are coming back to themselves. Hallelujah. That's what redemption is doing. It's going after those. You're predestinated. Your seed is the only thing that keeps you predestinated. And let me tell you, church, if you're a seed of God, if you're a seed of Abraham, you can't be lost. 
He might be hunting all over for you like the man in Luke 15 looking for his coin or looking for his sheep. Jesus was preaching predestination right there in Luke chapter 15. Notice when that, when that man, when the one sheep went away from the flock of 99, what did he do? He said, well, I guess it'll be okay. I can live with these 99. Absolutely not. He said, 99 and a half just won't do. What did he do? He left the 99 to go get the one. Let me tell you, I was that one. He came looking for me. He came looking for me. I wonder if we could have a testimony for Legion right here just now. I was that one. I was that one back there in a the cave. I was that one that cut myself. I was that one that nobody wanted me. I was that one no denomination could handle me. But when I was all, when all hope was gone, when chains couldn't hold me no more, when I couldn't find no pleasure in the caves and in the gambling, in the alcohol no more, when I thought that nobody come looking for me, I lost my family. I lost everything. But there one day he came looking for me. Legion, would you like to testify for a minute? Yes, I'd like to testify just for a minute. I'd like to testify just for a minute. Jesus cared so much about me that 2,000 demons wouldn't stop him from getting to me. Jesus loved me so much that he wouldn't let me stay one more night out there in that prison. Your time, this is not the time to give up, to give up. Why don't you try one more time? You might shock yourself. You might shock yourself how successful you'll be because on the inside of you is a potential to be a real son of God. Let me tell you, Daniel didn't stop when they made fun of him. Daniel didn't stop when they told him that he couldn't pray. Daniel didn't stop praying. He actually threw up the curtains. He said, if you don't like that, watch this. Daniel didn't stop his prayer life because somebody else was giving up hope on praying to a living God. Daniel didn't give up hope when they told him that he had to bow or the three Hebrew children had to bow. Daniel didn't give up hope when they threw him in a lion's den. Daniel stood steadfast in the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Hallelujah. You see, when the word of God begins to get preached, you watch a reaction. You watch a reaction. I got sent something here in the last week. I won't say what day, but I got sent something that wasn't nothing more than a TED talk that wouldn't have no power to resurrect nobody, much less a little fish. But when God sends preaching, by the way, it causes a reaction. Is that right? There ain't no room in the pulpit for a TED talk or for a pump it up talk. There is only room for power and demonstration. Is that right? That's what Paul said, that the preaching of the word was demonstration and in power. Let me tell you, if you want to see a change in your life, get your children, get your family under the preaching of the word. 
And when the word is preached, it'll cause a reaction. It'll cause a reaction. You remember, you, when I tell you this story, you'll remember what I'm talking about. So you can say, I remember after I tell you about it. All right? Say, I remember. All right, that's good. I'm glad y'all on the same page I am. We remember together. But you remember when Brother Branham was up there in Kentucky and he said he was holding a meeting for up there for about a year. He was up there preaching and he was preaching on a message on repent or perish. And he said there he was in that country. And he said that's logging country. And he said they was up there in them mountains. And he said there I'd heard about this rough crowd that was coming. And he said now do you start to remember? All right, that's good. You're starting to come to remembrance. Remember? All right, and they up there, and these people, Brother Branham was told that they was the roughest people in that country, and he said they'd come up there with the intention that we're going to go up there, and we're going to throw that little old preacher out the window, make a mockery of him, but Brother Branham said he stayed there too long one night, and he said, I got to preaching on repent or perish, and he stood there, he stood there, and he said before long, his hands was up in the air, and he was making his way down to the altar. He said he couldn't get there fast enough. He'd come there with one intention but by the preaching of the word repent came to its spot it caused a reaction because the word of God will cause you to react to the word of God you're going to walk out of here one way or another tonight I don't care how great a Christian you are or how deep a, deep a philosopher you are tonight. It doesn't matter how you walked in here. You're going to walk out of here better or weaker. And I choose to walk out of here on the positive side of things. Are you remembering? But Brother Branham said that there was a, he said in that meeting, he said there was an alcoholic and he said, I begin to preach. And he said, I stood there and I, he said, I stood there and I begin to preach. You drunkards, turn away from your ways, repent or perish. And that man got mad at Brother Branham, got angry and walked out of the building. I've had him do that to me too. They'll walk out on you. But Brother Branham said that he was staying over at his grandfather's place in Kentucky. He said, I was up there and he said, about midnight that night, there come a knock on my door. And there that drunk came up there knocking on that door. And he said, Brother Branham, you're about to remember. Brother Branham, I just had the most terrible dream. And brother, he, the brother begins to describe to him the, what the dream was. And he begins to describe to him, he said there, he said, I dreamed I was a rabbit. He said, I was out there, and he said, I was just eating in that field, eating the finest clover, and he said, I was just having a big old time. And he said, all of a sudden, I heard the ball of a hound come across a hill. And he said, I heard it, and he said, I begin to run with everything that is within me. He said, I run, and he said, I could feel the hot breath of that hound running me down. He said, running me down. He said, but notice what he said. He said, I turned aside to see. He said, because I'd heard about a rock. He said, I heard about a rock and on the inside of that rock was a hole. Have you ever heard about a rock? You may be running with everything that's within you, but if you've heard about a rock, oh, if you've heard about a rock, let me tell you something. That brother said, he said, I'd heard, he said, I'd heard about that rock and I heard there was a hole in it. He said, if I knew that if I could get to that hole, I'd be all right. He said, I was running and he said, I knew that just at any second that he was gonna gobble me up. He said, but all of a sudden, he said, I pounced into that hole. He said, then I let off the pressure. Oh, let me tell you, the Bible said in Psalms 46 that our God is our refuge and our strength in times of trouble. When the seas are roaring about us, when troubles are going on about us, there is a place of refuge. Yeah. 
your refuge, your refuge, your city of refuge is no other place but the name of Jesus Christ. It is a strong tower. And you young girls might be sitting here guilty of all kinds of things. You young boys could be sitting here guilty of all kinds of calamities of life. And the hounds of hell might be chasing you down. They might be chasing you down, going after you as hard as you can go. And you might be guilty of it all. Can I give you a prophet's word? If you're guilty, ask him to forgive you. Ask him to forgive you. I'd say that if we'd sit here and say, well, this brother did this or that brother did that, this sister did this, committed this act or done this act, I'd say there's some people that would quickly grab a rock but I want to be the voice of Jesus. Woman, where's your accusers at? You might be guilty of everything that the law has said about you. You might be guilty of doing all kinds of different acts. I'm only preaching this because he's laid this on my heart. For two weeks, he's laid this on my heart. He woke me up early this morning with a dream to give you this. If you're guilty, ask him to forgive you. A prophet's words, and he will take you back. Hallelujah. And he will take you back. He said it'll create in you a thirst that you can't go no further without finding that water brook and the hounds of hell might be chasing you but ask and you shall be forgiven the spirit of the Lord dropped in my house last night and I saw a man running with everything that was within him he was running from the law and he was running from his critics he was running with everything that was within him. And the voice of the critic was hollering out, I'm going to get you. 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 You might be running with everything that is within you. And the hounds of hell might be chasing after you. And you may have done all kinds of ungodly things. But there's a voice that's crying out, Repent. Repent and I'll take you back. The judgment of the law would have cursed you and you went to a devil's hell, but mercy came running after you. It was mercy that rewrote your life. It was mercy that saved you. It was mercy that broke you out of that prison. You can run all you want to and you can chase us all you want to, hell, but there is a way. I thought Brother Wayne did such a spectacular job on that trap. 
every single one of us sat here in awe. We sat here in awe and we watched the raccoon get trapped. And we watched a real trapper tell us how to set a trap. You know, Brother Branham said, he said that the devil's got a trap setting for you. He said the devil's got a trap setting for you. There's a trap setting for you. He said, but all you have to do is say, Lord, I'm sorry. The one that studied your pattern, the one that had hunted you down, and the one that had chased you down, He'd hunted you and he locked you. He looked at you, locked in a path, locked in your pattern, said they're going to come this way. But Brother Branham said, repent and get you out of that trap. There were men that stood there on the inauguration day when Peter come out of that upper room and he was staggering under the influence of the Holy Ghost. What realm was he influenced by? He was influenced by a realm and there he gave the inauguration sermon on that day and there were men that walked out and they criticized him, made fun of him. But when Peter got down to it and he was preaching Christ crucified and Christ resurrected and he come to it and he said, this judgment will be upon you. Notice the reaction that was caused by the word the Bible said in Acts 2 and 37, men and brethren, what shall we do? Notice these were the same words that Paul said in Acts 9. What, what thou hast me to do, Jesus? Notice how quickly their language changed when they recognized by the preaching of the word that they were wrong. Men and brethren, what shall we do to escape this judgment? Then Peter said unto them, Repent, every one of you, and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for this promise is unto you and to your children and to them that are far off. And it might look like your children are afar off. But there is power in repentance. Brother Brandon said that no man is ever in a condition to receive the word only by the grounds of repentance. You cannot receive the Holy Ghost without repentance. You cannot live a godly life without repentance. You cannot live an overcoming life without repenting. But I'll say this to you. Every devil in hell can set a trap against the bride of Jesus Christ. But there is a way to get us out of this mess. There's a way to get you out of your troubles. But I'm afraid I'll send away my day of grace. Get back up. Repent of it. Then this ain't a negative sermon. It's a positive sermon. You might be taking it negatively and it might be burning your high just a little bit, but this is a positive sermon. 
You know that Brother Branham said, Brother Branham said that the sins of God, that the sins of the people would be visited a generation up to three to four generations. He said, you look upon you. He said, your mammy, your grandmammy was a flapper girl and your mama was an old curls girl, course girl. And he said, that's why you're a striptease today. He said, because the Bible said that I will visit the iniquity upon the people upon them for three to four generations. He said, don't you see what you're doing now? Your children will be judged for. Now, this is positive, too. You can take it as negative, but this is positive, too. He said, oh, brother. He said, how much more on that side? If we do that much things in the wrong, how much more is it visited unto us if we do the right thing? You shall reap what you sow. Let me sow some good seeds of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Let me sow seeds of mercy. Let me sow seeds of grace. Let me sow seeds of more and more and more of God. Oh, I'd say this Christ is worth living for. It's a positive thing. He said, Brother Andrew, I don't want that kind of preaching in my home. I don't want that kind of atmosphere. I don't want that. I don't want that kind of pressure on my family. Let me tell you this. There will come a time in your life when you want me. There's going to come a time in your life when you want me to preach this. There's going to come a time maybe in your daughter's life when she's got pregnated by some scoundrel out there on the street that you wished you'd have listened to my voice. You wished I'd have preached it a little bit harder and you bring them to me and say, Brother Andrew, fix them for me. I'm sorry, I can't fix what I didn't break. Let me preach to you the greatest fixing power that there is, mamas and daddies. Don't be degenerated people. Be resurrected people. Repent. Show your children what it's like. Show your children what it's like to live a godly life. To say, God, I ain't lived the best life. I ain't done all the right things in life. I ain't made the best choices in life. But God, I'm sorry. Well, Brother Andrew, that don't, that don't apply to me. Give it 15 years. Each generation is 10 times worse. It's hard to believe I've been out of, I've been out of high school 17 years. I'm old. Not as old as some of y'all, but I'm old. I ain't got dinosaur breath like some of you, but I'm old. But you imagine. You're killing me. You're killing me. <laughs> That's great. You imagine. What I faced in 2005 when I was graduating, it wasn't hardly a homosexual or lesbian case in all the school. I went to these brothers' high school graduation this year and I about threw up sitting right there. It ain't no wonder why God spewed the church out of his mouth in this generation. 
the wicked generation that we're living in, you better hope that I keep preaching the way I'm preaching. It's the only way that we're gonna get out of this mess is to preach the same message that Paul preached, that Peter preached. And Brother Branham stood on that side. He said, well, I preach the same thing Paul preached. I've preached the same thing Peter preached. If Peter's there, I'll be there. And if I'm gonna make it, let me preach what Paul preached. Let me preach what William Branham preached. Let me preach the inauguration message. Repent and be baptized. Hallelujah. It's the quickening power of the Holy Ghost that'll get you in rapturing condition. Let the quickening power of Almighty God fill these young people, fill our lives. God, we're sorry. God, we've sinned. God, we've done wrong. But God, fill me. Let me come on those sacred grounds with you, Father. Let me come on those grounds with you, Father. It's the only way that you're going to receive. It's the only way you're going to receive is to repent, repent, or perish. Let me come on those grounds, Lord. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. How shall you hear without a preacher? Don't muzzle the ox. Don't shut down the preaching of the word. Don't shut it down. You need live sermons like never before. You need preaching. The Bible tells us he's the high priest of our confession. Is that right? It's time that you turn your mouth loose to some confessions. Lord, you're my healer. Lord, you're my savior. Lord, you're my deliverer. Lord, you're my healer. You're my way maker. It's time that you start putting the word of God on your mouth that the Bible tells us in Romans 10 that the word of God is nigh thee even in thy mouth. Young Christians, old Christians alike, fill your mouth with the very word of God and repent of your sins and confess that he's your savior. Don't be ashamed to confess him before men because if you're ashamed to confess me before men, I'll be ashamed to confess you before my father. I was that one. I was that one that got caught in a thicket out there. I was that one that couldn't find my way back. But when the shepherd came looking for me, he threw me over his shoulders. Not with regret, not with sorrow, but with rejoicing. This is your positive right here. I'm that one, Brother Andrew. I'm the one that was chased. I'm the one that was run after. Let me tell you, it was the name of Jesus Christ that stopped the mamba. 
I was that one. The name of Jesus Christ is stronger than a snake bite. The name of Jesus Christ is stronger than the curse of sin. The name of Jesus Christ is worse, is stronger than the worst of enemies. And when the shepherd brought the one back in, what did he do, Brother Nathan? He gathered all the community. He gathered all of his friends. He gathered all of his folks that he loved. Everybody that knew his business. This is the father's business. What did he say? Rejoice with me. Rejoice. Rejoice with me. Rejoice with me. I got 10,000 more scriptures I could give you on repentance. But the Bible said in Luke 15 that the angels rejoice in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. But let me preach to you another side of things just for a moment. Can you imagine hell? Can you imagine hell if all of heaven is rejoicing over one sinner that's repenting? Can you imagine hell? Hey, what's going on? Mayday, mayday. We lost another one. We lost another one. We lost another one. I say mayday be down in hell. Let the children of God return back and let us kill the fatted calf. Hell, you've lost another one. You lost this cancer battle. You lost this sugar battle. You lost this disease battle. You will lose this Laodicea flu battle. And we will be raptured in the morning in a twinkling of an eye. Hell, you lost another one. Now do you remember. God bless you. Let's stand. Hallelujah. Somebody give him praise. Hallelujah. 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 Why don't you call on the name of the Lord right there where you are? Why don't you confess his name before, before there is no more time? Why don't you stand there in your liberty and begin to confess with your mouth and give him honor, give him glory? Why don't you say, God, I'm I'm sorry. God, I've been wrong in my life. And in the morning, when I rise, give me Jesus. Oh God, here I am. Here I am, oh God. And I confess you before men, and I confess you before your face. Oh, what grace that was extended my way. Father, let the redeemed of the Lord rejoice in the promises of God. Lift your hands and give him praise. Oh, saved by grace. Well, I've been saved by grace. It's not Sins are washed away. Saved by grace. I've been saved by grace. I was alone in the darkness, I could not find my way, Jesus.
Jesus shined his light on me and he turned on my night today.
saved by grace. Let's sing it again. Saved by grace. Now I'm saved by grace. Oh, I've been saved by grace. Oh, my name is in the book of life. My sins are washed Falling in love with him over and over and over and over again. Well, I keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over again. He gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. Oh, what a love between the Lord and I. I keep Jesus gave me a little light and wanted me. 